I'm talking in this message about the rapture of the church. Uh, this, is, this is a controversial topic for some people, and people have different opinions on this. Uh, and so I want to I talk about the rapture of the church. I want to talk to you about the difference between essential doctrines and non-essential doctrines. There, there are doctrines that would keep me from fellowshipping with the person closely. If you didn't believe in the virgin birth, if you did not believe in the blood atonement of Jesus, if you didn't believe in the Trinity, there are certain essential doctrines. I could love you anyway, but I probably couldn't be in close fellowship with a person who did not abide by certain essential doctrines. When it comes to eschatology, eschatology means study of the end times. When it comes to eschatology, this is an important doctrine for sure, but it's not something that we break fellowship over. I have a lot of my preacher friends that have differing opinions than I do. In other words, they're wrong. And, and I'm humble about it. You know how I am. But now we have different opinions, and good people have different opinions. So we don't, we don't break fellowship over this, okay? So I'm going to tell you, I've been studying this for 46 years. Uh, I'm going to tell you what I believe based on what the Scripture says. Now, when I'm teaching you, I am always do this, and that is when I'm teaching from Scripture, I'm very authoritative and very confident. When I'm giving you my opinion, I tell you it's my opinion. And there are two times in this message I'm going to give you an opinion that is not based necessarily on Scripture, but I believe it based on different things that I'll explain to you in just a minute. And so based on my study of the Bible, I believe that there's a rapture of the church that occurs before the last seven years called the tribulation. And I I want to talk about this and read these Scriptures. Now, the message, this title of this message is, What is the Rapture of the Church? And I'm going to ask four questions in this message. And the first is, What is the Rapture? The second is, Why is there a Rapture? Why is it necessary? The third is, do children go in the rapture? Now, I get this question a lot. Now, I get the question, do pets go? I'm not going to answer that question because <laughs> I'm not so sure. You know, and There's some animals especially I'm not sure about. So, But uh, do children go in the rapture, and when is the rapture? And I'm not talking about a date, but I'm talking about a specific time. What is the rapture of the church? The most clear explanation of the rapture is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep, those who have died. Their bodies are in the ground, their spirits in the presence of Jesus. In Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. This is the Greek word harpazo. It's the Latin word rapturo, where we get our word rapture. It's a biblical word if you have a Latin Bible. This is a biblical word. We will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Well, that's just a very clear explanation The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Those of us who have loved ones who have died in Jesus, their spirits that are in heaven are going to be reunited with their bodies that are on the earth, and they're going to rise first in their glorious, uh, immortal bodies. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the air. Now, the word caught up or harpazo or rapturo, it means to seize hastily. If I ran into a room, grabbed you and ran out, that's, that's harpazo. That's rapture. It means to, see, to snatch away, to seize hastily. And so there is going to be a generation of people who don't die. Those of us who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord. That's what Paul said. 
that we're going to be caught up. Now, I believe that we are that generation. Okay. Now, I'm about to turn 67. Maybe I'll be around. Maybe I won't. Okay. But I believe that we're living, as I said last time, I believe that we're living at the end of the end times. And so there will be people who never die. I want to be a person who never dies. Anybody with me on that? Okay. And so there will be that generation that we who are alive and remain. That's, that's what he says there. So there will be a generation that never dies that we will go instantly in the presence of the Lord. Let me give you another uh, explanation of the rapture. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, this mortal must put on immortality. And so he says that we're going to be changed in a moment. The dead will rise and then we will be changed. This is exactly the same uh, context as First Thessalonians 4. And so it says it happens in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Well, the word moment there is the word atomos, where we get our word atomic. It is an indivisible amount of time. It's the shortest amount of time possible. And people ask me sometimes, Jimmy, what if I'm in the shower when Jesus comes? What if I'm in the shower when the rapture happens? And I always tell them the same thing. I hope you've been working out. It can be really embarrassing if you haven't. You flying through the air naked. So, so here, here's the good news. And so atomos means, okay, let me say this. Let me say this. Okay, let me, let me count one second. 1,000, 2,000. That's one second. The rapture happens in one millionth that amount of time. It is like an atom. It's too short to measure. It is an indivisible amount of time. So we will be changed instantly when Jesus comes. That's good news. Somebody say amen. Okay, I just want you to relax. I know you think about this stuff, so just relax. Okay, so here's Jesus describing the rapture. Okay, so, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna slow down when I read this because there are so many important parts of this, Luke 17. As the lightning that flashes out of one part of heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son, the son of Man will be in his day. Well, let me stop and say, that's the rapture because it happens privately in the sky. Jesus is talking about an event that happens up in the air. Okay, so, But he first must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until, listen, the day. One day in human history, he's not talking about a season of time. He's talking about one single day in Noah's life before the flood. Before the flood. Listen, until the day that Noah entered the ark, it hadn't rained, remember, and the flood came and destroyed them all once they were on the ark. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, there was a day in history before the fire and brimstone that Lot went out of Sodom and Gomorrah and the angel said to Lot and his family, we cannot judge this place until you are gone and you've safely arrived at your destination. Jesus said, my coming now will be exactly like that day, pre-wrath, pre-judgment, okay? But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom and Gomorrah, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day, that Jesus is talking about the same type of day, the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he was on the housetop and his goods are in the house. Let him not go down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life will preserve it. Listen, 
I tell you, in that night, there will be two people in one bed. The one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one taken, the other left. That's the rapture. That is the selective rapture. Jesus knows who belongs to him. It doesn't matter who you're standing by. It doesn't matter who you're sleeping with. It does, it, what, all that matters is that you know Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes and he takes away those that belong to him. The others are left behind. And they answered and said to him, where are they taken, Lord? And he said, where the eagles gather, up in the sky. This is an event that takes place up in the sky. And so it's interesting. Jesus links his return with the day that Noah got on the boat before the flood and the day that Lot went out before the fire and brimstone. Okay, and so we have to understand he could not be talking about the end of the tribulation. He could not be talking about it. But there is a rapture at the end of the tribulation that we'll read about here in just a minute. There are two raptures. There's a rapture at the beginning for the church, the people, those of us who have received Jesus now, and there's another rapture for those who get saved during the tribulation. And some people get confused by that. But Jesus, this word, when he says one taken and one left, that's the word paralambano in the Greek. The word taken, Jesus says one will be taken, the other will be left. The word taken or paralambano means to receive unto yourself. Why would Jesus use the word taken or paralambano to, to describe the rapture there? Let me tell you exactly why. This is John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and paralambano you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Paralambano, I'm, I'm leaving. This is, by the way, this is wedding language. A Jewish man would come and betroth them. They would be betrothed. A, a, a bride and groom would be betrothed. And the, the groom would go back to his father's house for about a year and he would prepare a place for his bride. And this is, the disciples all knew this. And at the end of the year, he waited until his father told him to go back and get his bride. And then he went from his house to her house and took her back to his father's house to be with him from that point forward. And so Jesus said, I'm leaving. Let me say, where is Jesus right now? He's in his father's house preparing a mansion for you. Let me tell you, if Jesus, if the average groom went away for a year, Jesus had been gone for 2,000 years. This must be a special place. And the rapture of the church is Jesus returning to receive us unto himself so that where he is, we can be also. And so let me, let me talk to the ladies here for just a minute because there are, there are people that say we're going to go through the tribulation. Okay, yeah, we're going to marry Jesus. It's all good. There's going to be a rapture at the end of the tribulation. But we're, he, Jesus is going to make us all go through the worst seven-year period of time. Now, remember, Lot and Noah didn't. And Jesus said, be marrying, giving in marriage, buying, selling, planning, building. So business as usual. But some people say we're going to go through the tribulation. So I just want to say this to the ladies. I want to ask you a question. That is, let's say that you're single. I know many of you are single. Some of you are married. But let's say that you're single and you meet this really handsome guy, really phenomenal guy, really sweet spiritual guy. And you really fall in love with him and he proposes to you. And he said, uh, honey, I really love you and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And you said, well, that's, I do too. And he said, well, I have a condition before we get married. I want to turn you over to the most evil man in the world for seven years. And he's going to persecute you. He'll probably kill you, but it'll be good for you. And it'll make you appreciate me that much more. Will you marry me? 
What a creep. Who would want to marry somebody like that? And I'm saying Jesus is not going to make us go through the tribulation. And I'll prove it to you here in just a minute. Okay. But there are people who go through the tribulation and they're raptured. Let's read the text here. And I want you to say, Jesus said regarding the day that he comes, it would be like the days of Noah and Lot, buying, selling, marrying, giving in marriage, all business as usual. This is the opposite here. This is Matthew 24. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. The tribulation just took place. This is not business as usual. This is not the first rapture. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Let me tell you the advantage of believing in Jesus now. You don't go through the tribulation. But let me tell you the wonderful thing about Jesus. Even people who refused him still get the opportunity to get saved during the tribulation. And at the end of the tribulation, they come and join us in Jesus and they're a part of the bride of Christ. And I love Jesus for that. But they have been set through seven years of incredible torture, but they are raptured. And many people, it's like one or the other. Is it Luke 17, business as usual, or is it after the tribulation of those days? It's both. There are two raptures that occur, one for the church before, one for the saints that have been saved during the tribulation. Okay, so those are texts about the rapture of the church. You can decide what you believe. Why, why is there a rapture of the church? That's a good question. So why is there a rapture? Number one, to unite us to be with Jesus, to be married to him and be with him forever. So Jesus is going to take, come and take us to be with himself. The second is to deliver us from the wrath that's coming. Okay, so let me read Revelation 6. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand. The tribulation is wrath. It's the wrath of the lamb. Listen, for those of us who know Jesus and we're raptured, we will spend seven years at the marriage supper of the lamb. For those people who reject Jesus now, they will go through seven years of the wrath of the lamb. You're going to be experiencing Jesus for seven years in one way, either the wrath or his incredible love at the marriage supper of the lamb. This is the choice that we make when we accept or reject Jesus. Okay, so it's the wrath of the lamb. First Thessalonians 1. They themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, listen, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Not through, he delivers us from the wrath to come. First Thessalonians 5. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief of the night, to unbelievers, not to believers. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pangs upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us 
who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you're also doing. Well, I'm going to take two shots at comforting you, okay? So here, here are my two shots. Here's my first shot at comforting you. You're going to go through the tribulation, and you'll probably die. How did I do? Anybody feel comforted? Let me tell you another one. You're, the tribulation is wrath, and God has not appointed you to wrath, and Jesus is going to come and deliver you from the wrath that is to come. Anybody encouraged by that? It is really preposterous to say that we could comfort anyone by telling them they're going to go through the tribulation. This is Luke 21. But take heed to yourselves, lest you, your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness. This is Jesus, by the way. And cares of this life in that day, capital D, the return of Jesus, the rapture, come upon you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare, that's an animal trap, on all of those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Not endure, not endure. So Jesus said, don't go out and start partying and forget about me coming. I don't don't want that day to catch you unaware because it will come as a snare, a trap on all of those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. You can't get a more inclusive statement than that. Every single nation, every single person on the earth will be trapped. When Noah got on the boat and the door closed and the rain started, the world was trapped in judgment. When Noah, when Lot went out of Sodom and Gomorrah and the hellfire and brimstone started falling, they were all trapped in judgment. When the rapture happens in the twinkling of an eye, the world will be trapped in judgment. Jesus said, but you, you pray that you may be counted worthy to escape. It's the word ekphoigo in the Greek. It means to leave a place, to get out of a place, to escape. He didn't say pray that you would endure, pray that you would be worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son. I mean, what is it? Why would Jesus tell us to escape if we couldn't escape? If we have to go through the tribulation, if we have to go through all this stuff, wouldn't it be kind of cruel for him to tell us to pray for something that couldn't happen? I'm telling you, if you're a believer, you are going to escape the last seven years on this earth that are called the tribulation. It's encouraging. It's encouraging. Well, now, okay, let me go back to my friends who don't agree with me. Uh, and they say, no, no, Jimmy. And I, I, I see this written. I hear a pre- preacher say, no, Jimmy, um, we're going to go through the tribulation, but God's going to protect us. Okay, well, great. Let's, let's see if that kind of, you know, matches the scriptures. Revelation 13, Antichrist. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blast. This is, by the way, the abomination of desolation to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. And it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Yikes. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. The Antichrist is given authority over the saints to overcome them. Revelation 20. I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. For their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not received, who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived with Christ. They lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. If you don't take the mark, 
And if you worship Jesus, he'll behead you. This is a vicious man. This is an evil man. And this is the worst time in world history. Beheaded, okay? This is Daniel 11, talking about the Antichrist. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. And those of the people who understand shall instruct many. Yet for many days they shall fall by sword and by flame, by captivity and plunder. That's the Antichrist during the tribulation, Daniel 8. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features, who who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. So here's what I'm saying to you. When you're deciding what to believe, please choose the scriptures and not a man's opinion. Go to the Bible. What does it say? And when people say that we're going to go through the tribulation, I don't believe that. And when people say that we're you know, sovereignly protected, they say like Goshen was in Israel, that is not what the Bible says. The Bible clearly says in many different texts that the Antichrist has authority over the saints to overcome them. Okay, so, so that's, that's what the Bible says. Let me go to my next question. Okay? And that is, will children go in the rapture? Okay, I'm going to give you two opinions about children in rapture. I believe children will absolutely go in the rapture up to the age of 13. And I'll talk about that in just a minute. But, um, so let me, let me talk to Christian parents here for just a minute. Let me, I'm talking to the average Christian parents. And let's just say that you have three children, 10, let's say six and two. And I come to you and I say, Hey, Christian mom and dad, I have got some phenomenal news for you. And that is, if you're a believer, you're going to the rapture. And I usually, that's, that's good news. Okay. I have some other news. Your children can be here. Any Christian parent would say, then I want to be here too, right? I do not want to leave my children here. If my children are going to be here, even if I have to go through the tribulation, I'd like to stay here, right? I see lots of heads going like this. I would too. If, if I had to leave my children here and go on the rapture, I would stay here. It wouldn't be worth leaving. It Does that sound like God to you? The parent's faith covers the child up until the age of 13. Let me talk about 13 here just a minute. This is my opinion. Why? Because of the nature of God. I believe all children who die go to heaven. I believe every aborted baby is in the presence of God right now. Let me tell you something about heaven. Heaven's full of children. Let me tell you about hell. There's no children in hell. Does that sound like God to you? Our God is a wonderful God. And if you have children, your faith covers those children until they reach the age of accountability. And what that means is, what I believe is, if you have children up until the age of 13, when you get raptured, they go with you. Well, why do I use the age of 13 is that age? Well, it's because of the Jewish culture. In the Jewish culture, Jesus was bar mitzvahed when he turned 13 years old. Remember when Jesus was in the temple and they came to the feast and Mary and Joseph and the caravan went back to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed back and they came and found him after several days, and they said, honey, what on earth are you doing to us? You're killing us here. And I'm kind of ad-libbing here. And, uh, and Jesus said, don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? Jesus wasn't being rebellious. He had turned 13. He just thought, I'm an adult now. When a Jewish boy turns 13, he is responsible legally for his own decisions. When a Jewish girl turns 13, they bar mitzvah a boy, they bat mitzvah, A girl, bar means son, bat means daughter. 
And so they bat mitzvah girls at either 12 or 13, depending on the Jewish camp that you're in. But there is a universal understanding among the Jews that at 13, you're legally responsible for your own decisions. And let me tell you, mom and dad, this is why you need to raise your children at an early age to receive Jesus as the Lord of their lives. Number one role of a parent. Number one role of a parent is to lead your child into an understanding of Jesus. And so your children up into 13, I believe they all go to heaven They all in the rapture after 13. I don't know. I don't know. And this is my opinion now based on what I'm saying. But after 13, I don't know. Um, and that, that would be something that should concern every parent. If you have a child over 13 that doesn't know the Lord, pray for them. Live a life. Don't try to cram Jesus down their throat, but live a life in front of them that make Jesus attractive to them and pray for them. Okay, one more, one more question here. When will the rapture occur? Well, it's tomorrow. Not really. Let me so I just, just trying to see if you're awake. Okay, here we go. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't right. Okay, so. So there are seven feasts of Israel, and the Lord said to the children of Israel, Leviticus 23, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Well, the word feast is the word moad. It means an appointed festival, okay? But the word convocation means a dress rehearsal. The feasts of Israel, seven feasts of Israel, four in the spring, three in the fall, and they were dress rehearsals prophetically of what was to come. The seven feasts are seven prophetic events of the future that are gonna happen. How do we know that? Jesus was crucified on the feast of Passover, exactly on the day, when they sacrificed a male lamb uh, and for the, so that death would pass over their homes. On the day that John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, uh, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was crucified on the day of the feast of Passover. Jesus was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. The Jews could not, when Jesus was buried, it was unleavened bread. The Jews couldn't eat leaven for seven days during the feast of unleavened bread. Seven is the number of perfection. Jesus perfectly removed sin from the human race. Leaven represents sin. And so Jesus was buried during the, the feast of unleavened bread. Jesus was resurrected in the feast of first fruits. When the priest would come out with the first fruits of the barley harvest, uh, Jesus was resurrected, 1 Corinthians 15. But now Christ has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 50 days after first fruits was the feast of Pentecost, and the priest would come out and wave two loaves of bread before the Lord, representing fullness. 50 means fullness, and 50 means freedom. It's the Jubilee to the Jews. 50 days after first fruits, the priest came out, and this represented Jews and Gentiles coming into the fullness of God on the day of Pentecost. Jesus was crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. He was resurrected on first fruits, and Pentecost came during the Feast of First Fruits. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, the Pentecost came during the Feast of Pentecost. So, what's coming next? Okay, there were four spring feasts and three fall feasts. So, what's coming next? The next feast is the Feast of Trumpets, and this is when I believe the rapture will occur some year. Okay, the Feast of Trumpets. It was on the first day of the seventh month, the first, it's September typically, September, October on our calendar. 10 days later was the Feast of Atonement. That's the second coming. When Jesus comes, he ends sin and brings in righteousness, everlasting righteousness. Five days later for seven days was the Feast of Tabernacles when the Jews would live in little huts, reminding them of their wilderness journeys, but reminding us we will spend eternity with God in heaven. The Feast of Tabernacles is the seventh feast on the seventh month that lasts for seven days. 777 is the perfect number of God and everything will be perfected at the Feast of Tabernacles. 
So the first four feasts were literally fulfilled to the day exactly. The feast, when the Jews were keeping the feast in the Old Testament, they didn't realize it was a dress rehearsal of the first advent of Jesus. But the next three feasts that are going to take place are a dress rehearsal of the second advent of Jesus, with the return of Jesus. Okay, So why do we call Feast of Trumpets the, the rapture? Because the rapture is associated with trumpets, First Thessalonians 4. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. First Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be saved. Now, when Paul says there, the last trumpet, that, to, to the Gentile person, to the Western person, that really doesn't mean anything to us. But the Jews knew exactly what the last trumpet was. The Feast of, the feast of Trumpets is a two-day feast. That's important. I'll tell you why in just a minute. It's a two-day feast. And during this two-day feast, they would have nine sessions where the priest would blow the shofar 11 times in nine sessions, 99 times. The 100th trumpet blow was called the last trump. And they would blow the shofar, and it was the longest and loudest shofar blow. And so the Feast of Trumpets is not just linked with trumpets, or the rapture is not just linked with trumpets. The last trump is associated with the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, Let me tell you the other names that the Jews have for the Feast of Trumpets. Now listen, we have the Jews have been keeping the feast for thousands of years. And the Mishnah, the oral tradition of the Jews, they have many different names for the Feast of Trumpets. Let me give you some of them. Rosh Hashanah, it's called the head of the year. The rapture is a new beginning when all things become new. It's called Yom Teruah. It is the day of the awakening blast, 1 Thessalonians 4. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The Jews call trumpets the day of the awakening blast. And that's exactly what will happen. The dead, the dead will be raised. Yom Hadin, referring to the day of judgment. They believe that, that trumpets is associated with judgment. Revelation 22. Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and end, the first and the last. The judgment of believers is at the return of Jesus, is at the rapture of the church. And so exactly as the Jew believes, it's judgment. Yom Hazikaron, which is the day of remembrance. We have to remember that the rapture is selective. Jesus remembers on the day of the rapture, the day of trumpets, he remembers who belongs to him and who doesn't. It is also called, listen, the Jews call the Feast of Trumpets the wedding day of the Messiah. Is that interesting? They call it the day which no one knows. In Mark 13, Jesus said, of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. Let me say, so this coming year, this year, next month, uh, trumpets is sunset on September 18th, the sunset on September 20th. Jewish days don't start in the morning, they start at sunset. And so on sunset from September 18th to September 20th, that's the Feast of Trumpets this year. Okay, so if I told you Jesus was coming during the Feast of Trumpets, you don't know the day or the hour because the Jews refer to it as the day no one knows. When Jesus said, no one knows the day or the hour, he was essentially saying, I'm coming during the Feast of Trumpets. We don't know. So you say, Jimmy, do you believe that Jesus is coming this year? I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I believe he's coming during the Feast of Trumpets. And listen, the feast have to happen in order. There was the Passover and then unleavened bread and then first fruits and then Pentecost. The next feast is Trumpets. 
It'll happen next. I believe that the next event that will happen on the planet is the rapture of the church. The next major prophetic event will be the rapture of the church. May happen this year. I hope it happens this year. Maybe next year. I don't know what year it will be. But every year when the Feast of Trumpets comes around, I'm looking for the return of Jesus. Now, I, you know, I could be wrong. It could happen on March the 18th. I don't know. But I can tell you this. If the first four feasts were literally fulfilled, don't you think the next three will be? And if the rapture of the church is linked with trumpets and the Jews have all these names for the Feast of Trumpets, I believe that Jesus will come during the Feast of Trumpets. I want you to bow your heads with me if you would. For those of you who don't know Jesus, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. I just want you to to say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart to you. And I invite you to come in to be my Lord and Savior. I step down from the throne of my heart and I invite you now to control my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to change and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at newliferadio.today or nlr.today. We'd like to send you a one-time email to include some material that will help you in your walk with God. We look forward to hearing from you.